The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. <laughs> Hello and welcome to TOEFOP. I'm Charlie Clawson. And I am Will Anderson. Or am I? What? Or am I? Is this really me, Charlie? Or is this a wax statue of me? What are you talking about? Um, We've got some exciting news here, Charlie. Uh, I think you may have heard of a little thing called uh, Madame Tussauds. Yes. Yeah, where they put all the... uh, like statues of the, you know, famous people, the people who really achieved something probably amazing and world-changing in that have changed the world so much that we must build a statue out of wax mm. and display them so people can... It's it's nice enough not even to just meet them, Charlie, but to stand next to a statue of them. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful gift <laughs> to the world from those artists. Well, Charlie, they're opening a Madame Tussauds in Sydney. Yeah. And, Is uh, it Tussauds or Tussauds? I don't know. You say to swords, I say, I say to swords. Let's call the whole thing up. <laughs> uh, look, it may not come as a surprise that I have not really paid much attention <laughs> to Madame de Swords until they've come knocking on my door. Because I think people can see where this is going. Uh, they're, they're putting one in Sydney. And look, to be honest, they've yeah made statues of the properly famous people already. Yeah. Now, as a media stunt, and that's what it is, let's be honest, as a media stunt, they've put together a list of like six people and there's like one slot left. Yeah. And like, you know, so you have to vote for your favourite person and say why. Yeah. And, um, but there's only one slot. And conveniently, they're all people who are like media people who might talk about Who might it. have like 150,000 followers yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> who might be talking about Madame Tussauds yeah. or Tussauds or whatever it is. On their podcast. Creating awareness. <laughs> there was no scientists on the list. Uh, you know, there was nobody who would... Uh, no Fred won, Hollows. No, no one who'd won the <laughs> no Nobel Peace Prize. They looked at him and he goes, well, how many Twitter followers does he have? <laughs> sure, he gave eyesight to children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, does he, does he have YouTube downloads? Like, can I, can I Google him? So anyway. Have you said yes to this then? Yeah, well, you know what? They rang up to say, you know, hey, um, can you do it? Because you have to give your permission. They don't just break into your house in the middle of the night and make a wax statue of you. Could you – is that a copyright? You can't copyright your face. Can you? you? Can you not make something in someone's likeness? And no, I guess you can't. People get sued for that, don't they? Mm. Like you can't sort of print up a bunch of t-shirts with Leonardo DiCaprio's face on it. I don't think so. I think you own your own, yeah, face. Yeah. Like I think if somebody was selling a, like a yeah a t-shirt with your face on it, you'd have to get a little slice <laughs> of that, you know. Um, so anyway, yes. So obviously, I'm one of the people, and they they um, rang up to see if I would do it, and I just thought, well. Well, it's smart move. By Why not? Them. It's smart move by them because once they make your mold, then they can just do Adam Hills. Yeah, just cut his leg off. <laughs> <laughs> Get the leg from the old Arnie Terminator you should, from the Hard Rock you Cafe. You should specify. Yeah, you can do it, but you want to have an animatron- animatronic wax sculpture. Oh yeah. So you can have some kind of Westworld type thing happen where all of a sudden you go berserk. The will, the will statue goes berserk and starts killing tourists. 
But you know the thing is, I, w- I would be up for that because it's it's basically like I mean we've talked about this like a lot already on this show, but like it's it's essentially like a a robot sex doll. Yeah. Like if I could have a robot sex doll version of me, waxy sex. I don't know about that. waxy. That'd be better. Really? Yeah. Isn't you it, just isn't warm up of, the bits that you needed to stick things but into. You put wax on your hands to get gri- a grip on something. It's not like lubricated. Oh, Did you used to do that before footy? You'd put like wa- hair wax on your hands so you could grip the ball on a wet day. No. Yeah, right. I no, didn't. We, we used to do that. No, we would have beaten people up for having hair wax. <laughs> <laughs> I played at a hard football club, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, I played for East Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I played in Hayfield, which is a timber town. Like, li- there was literally like people who, who didn't have whole bits of their hands. Like, and they were playing footy. Like, if I tried to put wax in my hair, like, if these guys had tried to put wax in their hair, like, one bit would get waxed down, the other bit would still be sticking up because they only had three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> like a giant comb. I was going to say, it's like, like an afro comb. Missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we went to this timber town called Hayfield and everyone had afros. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, you had to be sexy, I reckon. Like, say... You're pretty cool. I've always who's, who's your um, ideal uh, woman? Like, like your ideal fantasy woman? Oh, I'd, I'd currently, it'd be Mila Kunis. All right. So, say one night. Um, like, so, say I got into Maverick. Like I said, currently. Yeah. Because, like, I'm that in demand. I can just pick and choose. I can swap, swap them out, in and out. Yeah, currently, it's Mila Kunis. Well, it'd be, it'd be weirder, though. On the sex stock exchange. It'd be weirder, though, Charlie. She's buying two Angelina Jolie, so. <laughs> it would be weirder. If in your own fantasy world that could never have any possibility of coming true and where the limits of your imagination are boundless, that you were limiting yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The people do It'd be that. a much weirder approach where you're like, well, I know this is completely fictional, but I'm still going to be a good guy about it, you know? <laughs> I've been loyal to Angelina for a few years. I do get that like that, though. I'd get very... You've, you said something to me once, it's the same thing. I remember you were talking about South Park this years ago, and you said that you... Resisted watching South Park because you wanted to be loyal to the Simpsons. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And and I didn't like Family Guy for a while because you know there was all the the Simpsons, the Simpsons hatred and stuff. And yeah. I was like, I'm fucking with the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> the when the en- war starts and the animated war begins. Yeah, the enemy. The enemy of my friend is my enemy. Okay, out of those three shows, if there was a war, what who would win? Have to be the Simpsons, I guess, just the weight of numbers. There's, weight of numbers. There's more massive, massive Taiwanese armies. Although the South Park, they tend to be. I mean, there's there's like a Satan and like you know the Mechastrizand and stuff. So yeah, be- but South Park's only really two guys making the whole show. You know what? They no, did? I'm talking about the characters. If the worlds collided, the world of the Simpsons oh, right. and the world of Family Guy and the world of South Park, like if there was a war between the animated characters it'd have to be it'd have to be the simpsons just based on numbers i think oh yeah but you know what like pretty much everyone in the simpsons is at heart a loser yeah so like you know what i mean like even though there's heaps of them yeah. they all come to the table with like a million different foibles yeah. that could fuck up your, your war and no one's like, like f- physically no one like gets into fights in the simpsons really yeah. like what snake yeah snake. Who's, but who's leading your army not mere quimby who would be leading the army? Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns. He's like the Darth Vader of this. Yeah, but he's like the Emperor and they didn't win in the end. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he's evil devout him. The no. Ewoks from South Park. I reckon the South Park. Yeah, because that's what the kids are like. They're the ones that always, you know, they, it doesn't matter what happens. They like they are like the Ewoks. They just like go through. And then in the end, they just sort of put the wire around the legs and fucking and bang. Bring down the, 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 the quad walkers from yeah, Family Guy. Exactly. Have a little Ewok party. I think that's what it'd be like. I mean, one Ewok would die. 
And uh, well, that'd be Kenny. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You've killed Ewok Kenny. <laughs> oh my god! They've killed Wicket. Um, so that's a little um, Return of the Jedi joke for you nerds out there. Yeah, so I did. I I, I was uh, resistant, but no, I think if what, but more interestingly to me, who would win? Um, if it was you know the people behind the scenes, would have to be the Simpsons. I mean, they're kind of. I mean, they're just sort of so ingrained in into that into like showbiz now. Like they'd have more contacts. Like if it became like one of the shows had to get cancelled. Yeah. Well, I don't know actually. Maybe Family Guy. Didn't Seth MacFarlane just sign a deal for like three hundred billion dollars to do like another four seasons or something? Yeah. He'd probably be the most cashed up with the least amount of people to share it amongst. I'd yeah. say. And the South Park guys, they'd be like the Spartans. Yeah, that's right. Small in number, yeah. but mighty warriors. But mighty, just can do it all themselves. Well, in terms of like, if it came down to like a debate, like a yep. presidential debate, then I think South Park would win because yep. they fucking say everything. Yeah. <laughs> they'll offend Muslims. They don't give a shit. Uh, all right, so uh, here's your scenario. Okay. Uh, Mila Kunis, right? All right, yep. Um, who got crushed in the uh, awful family uh, family guy war. Because like, <laughs> yeah. oh, she voices me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Tragedy. That absolute tragedy for this. But, uh, so Mila Kunis. Uh, so, okay. So I get into the um, the Madame Tussauds, Tussauds in um, Sydney. Yeah. And um, so... Madame one, Tussauds. Yeah. <laughs> what she doesn't have one. She's got two. <laughs> oh, Madame Tussauds. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny Three Fingers. He's from Mayfield. Um so, uh, as part of the prize, right, you get a key so that you can go into Madam's uh, at any stage. <laughs> You're too scared to say. Madam T's. Fun of you. Yeah, go on Madam T's. Yeah. Uh, go on Mrs. Down, T. Go on down to Mrs. T's. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it. They do need to rebrand yeah. it. That, that's been around for a long time, Madam Tussauds. I think they and need to rebrand it. And nobody knows how to say it. Yeah. Mrs. T's. Mrs. T's. M- much catchier. Yeah. Plus, they probably have a Mr. T in there. Yeah, totally. So they just need to rework, put some lipstick on that statue, put it out the front. Mrs. T's. Mrs. T's. <laughs> yes. That would be brilliant. I pity the poor fool who doesn't come to Mrs. T's. <laughs> It's the marketing campaign. Yeah, that's brilliant. All right, cool. Okay, so uh, Mrs. T's. I've got the keys. I get I get the keys to Mrs. T's. So it even works better. <laughs> <laughs> it even works. It just suddenly, as soon as you call it Mrs. Keys, Mrs. everything is working better. Mrs. T's. Oh, Mrs. T's. Sorry. So I get the keys to Mrs. T's <laughs> as the price. Yeah. They say, so anytime you want, if you want to bring your friends in and show them your statue, yeah. or like you just want to come in. VIP right? pass, basically. you got a VIP pass, yeah. right? So I say, hey, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, the Mila Kunis um, statue is in the corner. Um, I've got five the, minutes. I'll turn the security cameras on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put the security cameras on a loop. <laughs> That's what, what you always do in those high spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just put it on a loop. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, somebody will fall off their chair while it's in the loop, and then I'll notice that they fell off their chair twice. And oh, shit. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, so I'll give you the little key and so you can go over and just spend some time with Mila Kunis. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? Uh, what's the question? Do Do you do that? What do I fuck? Do I fuck the <laughs> wax statue? It's a very elongated. Why, why didn't you just ask? what I fuck a yeah. statue? You gave me all this build up, all this backstory. She's dead. Change the name of this shop only to ask me if I'd fuck the statue. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> We started this conversation by me saying it'd be t- it's it's grippy and it would hurt. Yeah. I don't want to rip my dick off inside of. I mean, imagine you could that. melt like, like. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I could soften up. up, but I don't yeah. want to hot wax my dick. Why? People like that. 
It's not in many. movies and stuff. Yeah. Have you, have you done, that? done that? No. Well, I've done it like I haven't done I've it. I've done it by accident at a party. Yeah, like I've done it in <laughs> I've done it in church when you're like like not in an erotic situation. <laughs> Although for the priest <laughs> there, it might have been erotic for him to see the altar boy with wax yeah. running down his eyes. We arm. were always reenacting ritual sacrifices. <laughs> I was naked, he was dripping wax on me. It was religious. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I drip wax on me and it hurts and it burns. Yeah. I mean, what, the thing about it is it doesn't damage you, but it, you get that burn without the scolding. Right? Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Why would you do it? I don't know. If it was the end of the world, like just say it's like I am legend. Yeah. And you know, like an I'm legend, Will Smith, he goes down to the video store and he set up mannequins around yeah. the store so that he can have conversations with yeah. when, he, when he comes in. Like, Okay. End of the world, and you know, I, I would yes, I would you have find to... oh, okay. So at the end of the world, and you find that Mrs. Tease has um, is still yeah, is still running. So I I would I would take a few dolls home, yeah, and I'd set them up. Oh, around. so you wouldn't go into Mrs. Tease? It wouldn't be like the well, why would I? Unless... Well, I mean, it could be like a brothel to you, just your place where you do your dirty stuff with the wax statues. I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to bet. Do not... you know what I mean like straight afterwards? Why would feel weird? Why would I need a place to do my dirty stuff when there is no one around to shame me? I don't know. That wouldn't you still shame yourself? Not in that scenario. I think. Okay. So, all right. Well, my next question is this. <laughs> okay. okay. So, all of Madam Mrs. Tease is still there, right? So. After a while, do you just pick one and stick, like a Mila Kunis? Well, like, I think, or like, do you start to? You they're know, going to have a finite lifespan. They're made of wax. It's not a very yeah, durable substance. So exactly. I'm saying. So like, every how many days are you fucking one of them till it explodes? <laughs> I think like you'd only. I think you'd get a week's worth at the most. Just say okay. you're fucking it once a day. Yeah. I reckon you get like seven cracks at it, All especially right. if you're doing different positions yeah. or like you know using its mouth or <laughs> you know what I mean, like. Because the mouth yeah. is, it's going to break. It's yeah. got probably got false teeth in it or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, then it's again, like by that, by that like stage, a, it's a wax statue. by that stage though, when you're fucking a lump of wax, yeah. does it really need to be in the form of a woman? Like, couldn't I just well, go out to the factory? I mean, would where, you start to experiment? I think I probably would. I think, yeah, like, would you go like find a brand new or something like that and go, well, you know. Yeah, but it wouldn't have anything to do with like you know experimenting with my sexuality. It'd be just more like find me some more wax to fuck. Because yeah. think about it. If you, it would horrify me more to be fucking a wax dummy of a woman and have its head break off or arm break off mid coitus. Like that would scar me. Yeah, right. And I can just go fuck a big square block of wax instead. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Because ultimately they're both blocks of wax. I have somehow fashioned one into a female shape, but ultimately I'm not going to be kidding myself. I'm fucking wax. So why don't I just go to the yeah. storeroom where they keep the wax and fuck a. <laughs> The block of it, you know no, what I mean? That's not true. That's like saying that is true. Do you think that like you'd be more attracted like to saying, wax if it was in the shape of whoever uh, like Zoe Deschanel? That's like saying that you um, like like a sex doll is the same thing as like fucking your shower curtain. Like they're not the same. <laughs> <laughs> they're not the same thing. Well, no, but like I, part I, of it is that no, they're in the but, shape of the thing that you would find desirable. Whereas a block of wax, yeah, no, see, but you're I, not going to like unless you're pretending you're fucking the TARDIS or something. Like, I don't see how a block of wax is going to be because because I, I think that the like the difference with the sex doll mm. is when you're fucking like either the shower curtain one or the really advanced latex ones, you know those creepy real life yeah. ones, mm. is that they they don't disintegrate as you're fucking them. No, and what I'm saying to you but is they're that they're also shower curtains. Yeah, but it's like, it's going to hold its form, so it's not going to like bother me. But I would be bothered by fucking like a wax dummy of a woman and having like half the face peel off or the arm break or the neck snap. You know what I'm saying? I mean that 
That, well, but let's just say after like, <laughs> Why are you let's to just say after a few weeks of experimentation. <laughs> yeah. Um, after a few weeks of experimentation, you work out that like the ideal amount without anything breaking off or falling off is like four days. Okay. So every four days you Before, can re- yeah. you can retire them. Okay. They still look they still look great. My, I'll have my hall of fame. Yeah, exactly. up, my they, hall of shame. Yeah. So Marilyn, Angelina, <laughs> Justin Bieber. I was really drunk that night. <laughs> It'd be like that Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> like Doris Day, what? And so um, I could have an Abraham Lincoln one, and someone could find like a hole in the back of his head, and it's like, oh, I thought he shot in the front of the head. And it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a bullet hole. My cock goes back into the left. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's quite interesting. Like, I mean, because after a while, you just—I think I'd be like doing it for. I'd be more like into your role play and stuff with like, the, du- the, the yeah. So I'll go and find like you know the Terminator and like you know. Fuck a Terminator. The fuck Terminator. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Would that? Would you think you'd experiment? Would, would men and women dolls just become the same yeah, thing definitely. after a while? I mean, it would be the same. It's not like they have penises or vaginas. I assume they don't. No, you just have to make a hole yourself. Yeah, like, hold a, like a lighter they, underneath it or that something. That would be weird if you found out that Mrs. T's they always make the genitals, even though you can't see them. They, they must, always make them. I reckon they would there. be like I've, I've never been to Mrs. T's. But uh, I imagine if just say there is a David Hasselhoff one, there might be a David Hasselhoff yeah, one okay. and he's just in his shorts. I imagine there would be some kind of junk down there. Some sort of like, you know, bulge. Bulge. Whether or not they shape a helmet, a shaft and two balls. They don't do that. <laughs> looks more like a pear. Can you imagine if that was your job on the production line? Is everyone else is making like finely detailed like skin and eyes and you're on dick patrol? <laughs> yeah. You're going to sit there making balls and dicks? You might like not like that, but or maybe you were one of those kids where like at primary school yeah. on the desk, all you would do when like, <laughs> like other people were learning was draw cock and balls. Yeah. And you've managed to make a really fucking good living. That's not just little boys. Even at our age, even like with our friends, men and women, you leave something unattended and you could, there's a high probability that you'll get a dick and balls drawn on it, even yeah. now. And, and, and girls and, find and it just as funny. Lot, and quite a lot of the time, that, that thing is you when you fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I um, no, no, I, I, anyone who's ever seen me on Good News Week, um, that show, I'm notorious because they give you little bits of paper. And I'm not really ever sure why, because it's an improvised show. So by the time you wrote down something that you were going to say, like the conversation would have moved on. To you just better to try to keep up and be funny, <laughs> yeah. right? So they give me this pen and this p- p- pad, and so for an hour and a half when we record that show, all I do is draw cock and balls and then pass them to my partners when important stuff is happening. And I do that for an hour and a half. And then each time I just draw a different cock and balls and then slide it over, slide it over. So how do you, do you draw People it? at home knew. There's a, there's a couple of different ways that you can draw it. I do, people... I've got a range. Okay, so you've I got... Could do like, I could do an exhibition. Like I, literally, <laughs> I literally could. I reckon, and I could probably. You know, like if you if you just went out there and this is what I'm really passionate about. Yeah. Like I have enough people who follow me on Twitter or whatever that I could be like, Hey, like this thing that I've really been working on—it's my art—and like, hi- and you can just you know what? Can just if you were her. like David Lynch or yeah. David Cronenberg, one of those interesting, moody kind of directors who dabbled in yeah. art, I can could definitely get away with a cock and balls exhibition. Yeah, as Will Anderson, no. Mate, I have made my living talking about cock and balls. Yeah, I know, but no. So one's- that would be like people would be like, oh my god. He's not just doing dick jokes now, but he's drawing pictures of dicks. Yeah, but I don't think you could do the crossover as well. Better. Because it wouldn't be 
Because you're considered comedian, people would think, oh, this is another joke. Whereas if you're like a David Lynch or someone, it's like, oh, no, this guy's kind of an artist. Yeah, right. Like, you know, Jeff Bridges takes photos, apparently, and he's a really good photographer. Yeah. And I think he's had exhibitions and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, he, uh, on one hand, you know him as like the actor, but then you go, oh, yeah, I can see that. He could, he could be a photographer. Yeah. You think of the big Lebowski, you know, he seems like the kind of guy who would be just chilling out, taking shots. Yeah, sure. But with you drawing cocks... <laughs> I, I think I that, don't know that it translates to that. But anyone can take a photo, Charlie. I can take a fucking photo on my phone. Yeah, and not everyone can. Okay, do so an just say of cock and ball. Just say you've no got, app for that. You just say you've got like five seconds That's to, do, to draw idea. the the draw oh a God, cock. Just, like, how good would it be? Like, if it, this is an app idea, okay. this could make us a fucking fortune. So a trademark. Trademark it. Uh, is, is that enough? Yep. yep. Just to say it? Yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, for people who... I'm no big city yeah, lawyer, but... If that's not enough, what we've actually done right now is pause this podcast, go and trademark it. Maybe that took six weeks. I'm not sure. And now we're back. <laughs> yeah. Continuing this conversation. Um, is this... Because there's a, an app on it, which is very popular, um, uh, where you just put cats on photos. So, like... Yeah, because you know how everyone, the internet is like pretty much held together by hate and cats. Yeah. And so they, um, so you get a photo and then you just can put other cats on top of the photo and it's really popular and it's like costs a dollar. So you, do you drag photos from your photo album and? Yeah. Right, okay. And you just put cats on it. Okay. And right. that's it. That's the whole app. We could do one with cock and balls. Hand drawn cock and balls or real cock and yeah, balls? Yeah, but like in you know, like, cartoony. Yeah, cartoony cock and balls so that you could put dicks on the faces of people. That you that had photos a, of in your phone. That is a really good idea. Do you know what I mean? Like That's that would really be an app idea. that people would definitely like. Teenage boys and men <laughs> would love an app on your phone that you could take a photo of someone and then make cock and balls appear like on their face. <laughs> Have you seen uh, that app Face Swap? Face Swap is a really popular app where you take a photo of people sort yeah. of standing side by side and then you can take their faces and oh, swap yes. them over. So you see what yes. someone's facial features look with someone's hair yeah. and body. Um, a friend of mine did that, except instead of taking a photo of two guys standing side by side, he took a photo of one guy's cock, like a close-up of a guy's cock, and then took a photo of his friend his friend's face and then swapped the faces. So one of them, his entire face, he looks like a kind of half man, half elephant, like under the nose, the cock is photoshopped hanging under, sorry, under the nose, under the eyeballs. Instead of a nose, he has a cock hanging down two balls for a chin. And it looks like... You could slip that, you know, into like a Star Trek website and people go, oh, yeah, that's a creature. And then you have to do a double check. Wait a minute, that, his nose looks awfully like a penis. <coughs> so I'm not saying that app exists, but. <laughs> uh, that's a good app, though. That would be a good app. Um, so if you had to draw a penis real quick, just say you're on Good News Week. Yeah. What's your go-to, your quick one? Is it like, because there's, there's a couple. There's one okay. you draw it like an aeroplane. So it's like balls down the bottom shaft, sort of triangularly type helmet at the top. That's your sort of standard aeroplane cock yeah. and balls. Yeah, yeah. Or like a Or like you a, do a side on snail where it's yeah. like balls and a looping down dick. But yeah. it's sort of like almost one pen stroke. You don't yeah. really define the helmet or anything like yeah. that. Which one's yours? No, no, I'm the, the rocket launcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you do veins? Uh I mean that's that's what I do on a like if I'm yeah. If you got time. If I got time. And what or are, if I'm trying to take it up to the next level. What about hair? Dotted hair on the Oh balls? no, no, curly hair. Curly hair. Yeah, curly hair. Yeah, right. Mine's old school. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a 70s bush. Yeah. You know? Like, it's old school cock and balls. Yeah. Like, I still do it the way I brought it when I was fucking five, man. Like, I'm kicking it old school. I'm none of this modern fucking remix of your cock and balls with no pubes. No, nah, it's like, pubes are a big part. I would never do cock and balls without pubes. How come no one does a cock and balls with a foreskin? Like, you know, you never see, like, gross. a sleeping bag. 
They're gross, Charlie. They look gross. That's why. You're not drawing them for it to be erotic. You're drawing them to be funny. And nothing's funnier than a sleeping bag looking dick. <laughs> Some people do do tiny little shaft and massive fucking head, whatever it's called. I don't really know what the bits of the penis are called. The helmet. Helmet. Is I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? I think so. Is that what people call it or is that actually what it's called? Because there'd be technical names for it all. But I just I don't have never... Like, I've just... The shaft? Is it the shaft called the shaft? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's a shaft. Yeah. As a, just as a like a general noun, it's a shaft. Yeah. The helmet, is that what no, it's called? No, it is subjective. That's not, that's not yeah. what it's called. I think it's the glands. Oh, um, right. The glands is the head. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and okay. then the shaft and then the testicles and the scrotum. Yeah. What else do we need to know about it? The um, shaft is the only thing we can't name medically. Yeah. <laughs> shaft from the Latin shaftus. <laughs> I told you my parents used to teach sex education, yeah, at my primary school. Uh, maybe. Have I told you that? Oh. Well, my parents used to take sex education at primary school and that sucks, man. Like at primary school, for your parents to come in and say they would educate, wow, well, how, grade four, grade five, is that when you start getting sex education? Mm-hmm. So they'd come in and do a talks to say the grade fours and grade fives and I'd be in say grade two, grade three. Yeah. Come to school the next day, man. <laughs> you are copping it from all fucking angles. Oh man, your dad said penis, your mum said vagina. <laughs> But the worst part was they would talk about me because they were like, we need a way to relate to the kids. Yeah. And so they talk about, you know, um, oh, when our son, um, when, you know, when Charles was born, it was a, quite a painful labor as he came through uh, Eileen's vagina. Like they'd actually include me. It wasn't enough to just shame me by being there. They'd actually name drop me, hoping to win over my classmates. Oh my God, you came out of your mum's vagina. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Horrifying, right? The most unnatural thing in the world. <laughs> But then I, when I was finally old enough to attend... Basically, they gave bullies a cheat sheet. Yeah. Like, bullies didn't have to go to the effort to find out what they could tease you about. Yeah, Your mum and dad came to school and said, oh, look, just to save you guys some time, here's some notes. They couldn't have made me things. more of a target if they'd put, like, a fluorescent orange vest on me yeah. and told all the bullies, hey, that kid just beat him up. <laughs> like, it was like pouring chum in the water, man. They came. But the worst part was, by the time I was old enough to actually attend one of their own, like, classes, yeah. so grade three, grade four... Um, <laughs> they were going like had you know the anatomy of the male and female and they're going through naming all the things and they got to the, the testicles and they said does anyone know what this is called and I put my hand up because you know I'd heard them talk about it and I said yeah what are they they're called balls and everyone pissed themselves and my parents who were sex educators had never once thought to tell me the correct name for testicles they'd always called them balls so like, not only am I embarrassed, but I look like a fucking idiot that my parents were sex educators. I don't even know by grade three that they're called testicles. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I, I like to think that they've done that on purpose, your parents. Well, they ha- yeah, I think so. Maybe to you fuck know? with me. Well, you have like, by the time you get to kid number nine, you're like, yeah. fuck it. Let's fuck with this let's one. Fuck with, let's see how we, <laughs> We've got five we're in university. Yeah. We know we've done okay. There. Yeah, let's we try and the bottom those. four. Let's yeah. experiment. Yeah. I mean, the, the old time ways don't always work in the new time generation. It's like that the game of AFL has developed a lot. You know, the same things that when you were premiership 10, 15 years ago are not going to fucking cop it. Yeah, take it now. They had to experiment, Charlie. They needed to blood some new ideas, you know, of freestyling. Let's lie to him about some stuff and embarrass him and see that, what the, how he turns out. I don't think they lied. I just think it was one of those things that slipped their mind. But they could have possibly given me like a little like a heads up before. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to talk about this stuff. You know what all these things are called, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have yeah. gone through that with yeah. you. But no. Uh, so that's it. But pe- people can vote for me um, for the, the wax thing. We'll put it on our Facebook page if you, if you want to. Um, you know, if you don't want to, that's fine too. 
When does it get built? Um, the, in, so I think this thing goes like into December or something, and then they basically then they do it, and they come to you. Because they what do you mean to your house? Well, wherever, yeah. wherever you are, like you don't have to go to them for the the thing. They told me this. I said, oh, I said I might be in America if I if I did win, and they're like, oh no no, that's fine. We'll have someone come out to. It's a genuine email. A... This wasn't something that you just got from a Nigerian. They're from prince. Nigeria, yeah, right? Yeah. Mrs. Two's. We're making a Mrs. Two Swords Museum, Mr. Adam Anderson. They said I had to pay them twenty thousand dollars for wax, <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, it was an honour. So, did I mean? I imagine it's like a, a fully intensive process where they take like a mould. Is that how they do it? Did they have they explained any of that kind of shit? No, I didn't think I'm going to win, so I didn't really go into the details of like. Oh, right. So okay, so that's why we're going to vote. So they're, yeah. they're going to say one of these six celebrities will yeah. make, and everyone gets to vote. Yeah, exactly. who are you up against? Um, uh, Amanda Keller. Yeah, you can um, beat her. I'm up against uh, Carrie Ann Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a bit of an icon. Yeah. Um, I'm up against uh, Carl Sanderlands. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. He's got a big audience. He does. Like, you know. He's got a big gut too. They're going to need a lot more wax. <laughs> I might sneak in because they will need less wax. <laughs> That's the only advantage that I have. Um, I don't know. Some other people as well. I, I, I didn't. Pluck a duck. Pluck a duck. Vulcan from Gladiators. <laughs> all, the, all the big names. Can you imagine if that's what it was? They just said, look, uh, yeah, 2-4. And you're looking around going, oh, yeah, no, well, this is. Uh, to be honest, these people all have a lot more experience than me in the industry. It's nice to be included and thought of, you know, at that same level. And Vulcan from Gladiators. <laughs> well, you know, he was, he, you know, he was nominated for a Logie, Vulcan. I've always thought, Pluck a Duck was nominated for a, a Logie. And I've always thought, like, in the Logies, they have that best new talent category. Yeah. And I've always thought, like, if you're going to do that, that's fine. But maybe have a best new actor and then a best new personality category. Because if you're some guys come out of, like, three years of drama school, you know, you're a trained professional. And then you get nominated for an award or you've done your first job out of drama school, you get nominated for an award and you're up against a bodybuilder. Yeah. And Pluck a Duck. <laughs> and a puppet. <laughs> You know, like I think they could afford <laughs> to make a distinction between the two professions. Um, it's, it's a fair point. <coughs> I mean, if Pluck a Duck had won, like if he'd actually won, mm. what would his speech have been? Well, he wouldn't. He didn't talk. I know. Exactly. That was the enigma of Pluck a Duck. The enigma. Yeah. The enigma Dude, of Pluck a Duck. Daryl would have definitely got up on stage. No, Daryl would have talked. Anyone had won. <laughs> Plucker can talk. He just never got a word. <laughs> that's that's the thing that people didn't know about Plucker. He had a lot of really serious opinions about shit, but he he just couldn't get into a conversation because Daryl's always like me, 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 me. <laughs> and uh, he was hoping he would win the Logie because he actually wanted to express some regrets he had about the current political situation, <laughs> yeah. in, in particular the refugee he, policy. And he's actually devised a cure for cancer. Yeah, <laughs> no one's hasn't got a word. Came up with it nine years ago. <laughs> Been pulling chickens out of a fucking thing and driving around in a little fucking you know, in his, golf in his, cart in his laboratory with a big wheel with a bunch of frozen chooks. <laughs> Just go. He worked it the out. The cure is he worked it out using <laughs> frozen chooks. That's uh, for people who have not lived in Australia and seen Hey Hey It's Saturday. That is going to be. They did a couple episodes in the states. Yeah, Hey Hey It's Saturday. I mean, we have talked about it before, but it was basically like a three-hour variety show that was like. Uh, you know, interviews and bands and goofy sketches and stuff. But I remember they did a couple in the States 
Um, and who did they did have they get on? Good guess? Did they, get... they had well at the time. So this was in mid nineties. They had the blonde chick from Murphy Brown. Do you remember her? The Corky Sherwood? No, what was her name? Oh, yeah, was, was it Corky? Yeah, and then she got married, and she it was Corky, Corky Sherwood, Sherwood Forest. Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had her on, and they had um, uh, uh, um, uh, Chevy Chase on, and oh. it was you've never seen. Like Chevy Chase, I think as soon as he stepped on set, it was like, oh man, like I know my talk show did really badly, but is this what I'm being reduced to? There's a puppet and a head on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not happy to be there. He was just like waiting to get back to the fucking golf course. Yeah. Never really caught fire in the States for some reason. No. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Do you think a show like that could happen in like UK or other States? I think so. It reminds me a little bit of like, um, do you ever watch the uh, Graham Norton show? Yeah, I was going to say, definitely in the UK. Yeah. Like that energy. I mean, obviously they're very different shows, but you know, there's the fact that he can do stunts and he can really like the audience is so up for it. And it's very I, loose. The thing I liked about Hey Hey in the old days was the audience provided much of their really good content. Yeah. You know, like they'll get people on to play games or they like just do these stupid little parlor games, really. And like, but the audience would be so into the idea of it all, though, and it was a real family thing that it kind of just it worked despite itself. And that's, I mean. People who are listening from overseas, especially in the States, you may have heard of Hey Hey last year because it was brought back for a sort of limited run. And we have a, a talent contest called Red Faces and yeah. a bunch of guys got up in blackface and did a Jackson 5 routine. Yeah. Ironically, Hey Hey at Saturday is like um, like an old boxer. Yeah. Like or in, your in uncle. That, in that it was one of those things where um, at, for a period of time it was an awesome show and it was really edgy and doing things that nobody else had done. And then, it, you know, it was world champion. And yeah. then it had one fight too many. It got divorced. You know, needed to pay some bills. Needed to come back. And then it just got belted around a lot. And everyone's like, why don't you quit? You're ruining the memory that we had of you being such a beautiful fighter. And then, like 20 years later, <laughs> he's come out of retirement again for some where He's going to fight a donkey. Yeah. And that's kind of what it was like. And then, yeah, there was a, a, a blackface routine. I mean, do you think if, if that blackface, I mean, did they have blackface routines back when in its heyday in the 80s? Hey, hey, it's hey day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that we were just a lot more tolerant of horrible racism back in those days. Yeah. You know. I mean, because it's kind of funny hearing people leap to the defense. And in those days, it would have been blackface, and then they would have gone to Red Simons, the judge of Red Faces, and he would have been wearing like a KKK <laughs> hood, like, you know, or like a little cartoonist would have drawn like a little KKK hood and like a hanging, A noose coming and a from noose a tree. Yeah. coming from the, the gong. Up. Like that, that would have been like an everyone would have been like that is brilliant satire. <laughs> KKK at Saturday. <laughs> but um, I think people have moved on. I think that some. But, but there were there was a kind of a, a sort of like a voice of the minority who were coming out after that blackface thing, saying, "Hey, look, hey. it's a product of its time. It's yeah. unique to that. They weren't meaning any offence." One of the guys in the in the sketch was Indian, yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the yeah. one of the arguments there. And it's like. Yeah, you're yeah. not quite understanding how we've progressed in the last 15 to 20 years. It, it was one of those things where they're going, well, how do you impersonate a black person without blacking up your Robert face? Downey Jr. did it in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> that is. And he was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. That argument came out a lot. Yeah. And, and you were like, did you... Not see the difference. Did you not see the film? <laughs> like, that's the whole point of that role, is the opposite of what you're arguing. <laughs> I saw a sketch uh, actually today on Funny or Die, which is Robert Downey Jr. must be receiving some kind of like, you know, honorary award or whatever. And it's this uh, pre-filmed sketch with Jamie Foxx, Gary Shandling and Mel Gibson. 
And it's like funny. It's like yeah. they're three of them sitting around talking about what they're going to say about Robert and all this kind of stuff. And they make jokes about, they're saying, they were talking about, oh, we're back when Robert was crazy. And like, yeah, the last thing you want is for everyone to think you're crazy. And then they both look at Mel and I was like, oh, yeah. And then like the last thing when people think is you're racist. And he's like, I'm not racist. Oh, you're vain. And it's just like, holy shit. Like, I mean, I could see them sitting around going, you know, what would get people's attention? Like Mel Gibson, like you'd, th- you'd say he's now, oh. it's, an irrepar- it's irreparable damage, at least for what, 10 years? You think? Until all the Holocaust <clears throat> survivors die. Would that is that how long? Yeah, I reckon that's because what... uh, he almost after the first after the first one the sugar tits and his semitic thing. I think he got welcome back. People he were did. like you know we forgive you. Yeah, did the Golden Globes. Ricky Gervais made some jokes about him. Okay, yeah. and then it was a one-off, Mel. And then the Oxana. we all make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then it's like oh you're really <laughs> really horrible to women <laughs> and you're racist. And you're bigoted and you're drunk and you kind of believe that in weird old, oh, and it, I, I don't know if he can, I can't, I can't do him. I tried to watch that fucking Beaver Beaver movie, the puppet movie. Is it no good? Uh, and I was on a plane. No, right. And I walked out. No, hey! <laughs> that's an old gag. I'm not sure whose, but, <laughs> and um, no, it was, uh, um, oh. That's not, not good. Like I got, I, I had actually a flight where I got three. Um, in a row. What were the other two? Fucking movies that I could not get past 20 minutes. Um, the Hangover Part 2. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, I've heard it's terrible. Oh God, it's horrible. And Mel Gibson was meant to be in that too. Oh. He originally was meant to be in that and then apparently they kicked up a fuss so they got... Who's the other cameo? Is it Bill Clinton? No. I didn't get that far. Right. I literally did not get that far. And uh, the other one, I can't even remember. Oh, it was some horrible Kate Hudson thing where... This guy's gonna marry her, but like her best friend, something no, borrowed. He's in love. I think it's called, it's something, probably called borrowed. something borrowed. Something borrowed. I mean, I, I don't know it, but I'm guessing so. She's got a best friend. So she's got a guy friend who's her best friend, but she's marrying someone. No, I know what it is. Oh, okay. She's got a girlfriend yeah. who uh, she she uh, at the start of their, their friendship they go out and she the she's got a mousy brown head friend and they go on a date and she introduces him to some guy. But then Kate Hudson, oh fuck, I don't know. There's no, 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 no. Sound, you, sounds, yeah, a, you sound, know, you're right. So they something happens where, okay, so the mousy head friend goes on a date with this guy. Kate Hudson comes along. Kate Hudson and the guy fall in love. Yeah. And then ten years down the track, I think maybe they reconnect, and then the the husband realizes he actually loves mousy hair. And Kate Hudson's sort of running interference. I think that might be the plot. That's that is like. If you're a psychic, if you're like John Edward yeah. and I went and saw you and you got that much right about some prediction about what my granddad was doing in heaven, I would be fucking buying your books and buying your <laughs> tapes. That was pretty fucking close. So I'm getting a will. A will. Yeah. A will. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I, sorry. Mean, I, I know enough that I saw like photos. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that that's the plot from the, the poster and well, photos. This, this is the plot. Um, it is so, the plot. So basically, well, it's basically the plot. So okay. um, mousy brown head girl, the one from um, uh, the Mormon TV series. Um, big, big Love. Big Love. Okay. Which is good. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's good. No, I've heard it's good. Yeah. It makes being polygamous a little bit more like achievable than I thought it would be. So how is it? Just separate houses or separate rooms? Yeah, they've got separate houses. I mean, there's troubles. How the fuck there's did you four five houses? Oh, four that's, houses. that's one of his troubles. Yeah, right. I mean, they've always got... This is the thing. You learn that it's not just about Banging five, five, bang five girls at once, Charlie. And you will learn this with your wax dummies at the end of time. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of other issues. You have to feed and clothe and house them all. 
that they all have their individual issues. They have to make decisions together as well. And there's a range of difficulties that have kids. Uh, yeah, there's kids involved. It's it's a but it is a good series. I really genuinely like. I, I enjoyed it. But anyway, the girl from that. Okay, Mousy Brown. Mousy Brown. Okay, so Mousy Brown uh, went to uni with um, you know this guy. Yeah, and they were yeah he's really hot, but right. she's Mousy Brown. Yeah, right. And so like she was in love with him right through uni, but yeah. like you know he's hot and she's Mousy Brown. Yeah. So. One night they finally go out for a drink together and like something, you know, magical's about to happen and her friend Kate, Kate Hudson, Hudson right, okay. rocks up. Yeah. You know, Mousy Brown excuses herself, you know. Yeah, because she's shy. Because she's shy. Yeah. And then old mate, like he, he's like, oh. I'm going to go for the flashy blonde. Go, no, no, he's like, oh, he runs out in the street and gives it a bit oh. of like, you know. Hey. Well, do you want to bang both hey. of us? How about threesome? threesome. <laughs> I would love that. A romantic comedy. The guy runs out to the street it's like, Wait. Don't go anywhere. I just realized, I realized that I really want to have sex with both you guys <laughs> at the same time. Can we make that happen? Uh, that, that would have been better if that's what the invention of lying, lying that um, Ricky Gervais film was like. Because that's, that's a film, essentially what you've just pitched there. It's just a film about a guy who says what he's thinking as opposed to like, what he, working what out what the say. right thing to say yeah. is. <laughs> so and he's not... He's not mean-spirited. He's exactly the same guy as the guy who has the good sense to cover up what he actually thinks. Yeah. They're both as nice a guy as each other. One of them just doesn't realise that you're not meant to just say the thing. In fact, if anything, he's more honest than the person who's lying to you. This guy is 100% honest with you all the time. Which is why it wouldn't work on a date because no one is 100% honest. No, on you've date. got to cover that shit up. So he runs out on the street and says, yeah. you know, hey, how about threesome? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I love you or no, something. Yeah, but like something a bit romantic. Oh, is this okay? He just gives it a bit of like, is this okay? okay. Which is the bit where like, you know, because he's yeah. kind of like, we're on a date. And this isn't the first third of the film, first act, yeah? Yeah, this yeah. is the first act, yeah. yeah. And um, so they, uh, you know, she's like, no, no, it's fine. But clearly they love each other, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. at that point. Because they bonded over, let me guess, they bond over a book oh, or like, a movie or a song. It's something like that. That either he was listening to the Smiths and she yeah. liked that or they both reached for the same Ernest Hemingway book. Is yeah. it something like that? I think it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I can't, it's so, it was so bland, some, I can't remember. It would be some quirky but it was something thing quirky. that happened. Yeah, Definitely. of course. Right. So, uh, anyway, so they go apart, blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway, Kate Hudson and this fella fall in love. Mm. They're about to get married. It's the, you know, the fucking whatever, the thing before the marriage. And, uh, the you know, they're having something. Hen's night. No, it's like because everyone's there. I'm not. Really I like sure family. What Families got together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a celebration. Maybe it's their engagement party. Okay. You know, and they're having a short engagement. Into okay, sure. I, mean, right. I don't know. It's like that sort of vibe. Yeah. Right. Okay. So suddenly, old mate and uh, Mousy Brown and Mousy Brown. Yeah. You know, suddenly the whole thing. You know, that's and have Mousy Brown and Blondie been keeping in contact? Yeah, they're still best friends. Oh, it's right through the whole relationship. Yeah. Okay. So that's where this is, gets really awful. Is that really you're now in a movie, and this is why I had to turn it off after a little while, because I didn't expect the movie was going to be good, but I actually got to that point where I'm like, who am I barracking for? Because I, I get it, I get in in the end that Mousy Brown is probably going to fucking, yeah. you know. End up with. End up with this guy, but that's horrible. Like, what? she had a fucking tr- <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Kate Hudson's frick. done nothing. Bad luck, mate. Kate Hudson has done nothing. Sit on the bench, you're going to miss out in the game. <laughs> that's, exactly. But you know what? Just fucking do something. You had your fucking crack at the title. Yeah. So, and now old mate's got hers. You're her best Don't friend. Don't undermine her. 
What do you mean? Yeah, Who but let me guess. Friend? But flashy blonde is kind of superficial. Actually, doesn't have as much in common with the dude. No, in there as much. But she missed her fucking chance. Well, that's all right. Like, doesn't like life doesn't like isn't a series of conclusive statements. It constantly changes. Yeah, so but you, you can you meet someone fuck over your best friend, and like you know. Well, hang on. If he left her, yes, and then six months later. You know, it's fine. That's okay. It's okay. But you're saying not before the wedding. No. And is that what they're heading towards in the film? Yeah. Mm. So anyway, it's actually because that's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> but, but you don't like anyone. Yeah. Right. Maybe if that was done in a really like if um uh you know the guy who made Beginners made yeah, a yeah. movie about that or the guy who made like if it was an indie film, it was Sideways yeah. or one of those sort of films like and the whole thing was that. Yeah, they got in this relationship, but they weren't the right people. But then, how, when you're friends, do you make that work? Yeah. That might be an interesting film, but it's not played like that. It's played like you know, like, like a light romantic well, comedy. Well, you know, in uh, there's a film that always used to bug me was Reality Bites, right? Because we're not when a writer has to choose between cool, grungy Ethan Hawke yeah. or um, charming but kind of clueless, smarmy uh, Ben Stiller, right? Yeah. And she gets, she dates Ben Stiller, and he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. And she's surprised by the good time she's having, right? Yeah. And old bloody mopey, <laughs> grungy Ethan Hawke is fucking like brooding or whatever. But she's yeah. still drawn to him. And in the end, she ends up with Ethan Hawke. And I was always like, the fucking dude who is unreliable, monosyllabic, yeah. could never like express himself. That's the guy she like. And the guy who, the only thing he did wrong was take her short film and recut it because he thought he could make some money for her. Yeah. And she got really upset about yeah. that. It's like, you're a fucking uni student. Yeah. Some guy from MTV has bought your fucking student film and turned it into something good that he can sell. And you're mad? Like, and all she's like, no, no, I'm going to go for the fucking shoeless guy playing fucking songs down the street. Like, I just, it used to bug me so much. Charlie's standing up in the cinema just screaming, I'll oh, fuck Ben Stiller. <laughs> He's great. I've got films he can put on MTV. But you're right. It's, it's that beautiful myth of like, you know. True love conquers all. <laughs> that, I want to say a reality bites 20 years later, like the yeah. 20 up series. Yeah, that she like, so ended up with him. He's a junkie. Well, that, they like, have he's made never, that. He's never like, um, you know, he's never written a book or yeah. done anything like that. In our that. works, it fucking came out. Yeah. But they have made that movie. Have you seen Blue Valentine? No, with I haven't Ryan, seen that. No. You've got to see it. It's fucking awesome. It's such a great movie. And the way they structure it is they basically tell a relationship, parallel storylines, and you get to see how the couple met and fell in love at the same time as you see them break apart. So yeah, right. it's brilliant. And when they meet, they are young and carefree and he's kind of cool and dangerous and they're living in like New York or some cool city and it's just so fucking romantic and great. Cut to 10 years later, they have a kid, they're in the suburbs, he's put on a bit of paunch, he's balding, he's fucking drinking every day and going to a painting job that he hates. And it's like, that's true, man. Yeah. Like if every romantic comedy had a, te- a sequel that's 10 years later, like even if it was... Uh, um, you know, like when Harry met Sally, like, you know, that big fucking moment, New Year's Eve party. And it's like, yes, they're finally together. But they argued a lot. I yeah. imagine only five years after that New Year's Eve party, they were fucking arguing again. Nonstop. Because she, she really irritated him. And, and, and Annie McDowell left Bill Murray in Groundhog Day when she realised he didn't learn how to play the piano every day. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm back to living a day at a time? This is bullshit. 
I can't impress you at all anymore. She's like, he doesn't know what I drink anymore. He's not buying me the right flowers yeah, on the exactly. right day. Yeah, right, right. Like, all his game was predicated on the fact that he could get it wrong like a thousand she, times. And she would go, do you remember that 24-hour period in which you fucking knew everything about me? It was so charming. How come that never happens yeah. again? How come you can't anticipate what's going to happen yeah. now? It used, to, it used to be like you knew yeah. me so well. Yeah. And every one... day you tried to impress me. <laughs> <laughs> and now Bill Murray's sitting on the couch <laughs> watching baseball, smoking bongs. Why don't you play the piano anymore? Yeah. <laughs> it's too hard. Played it for a thousand years. <laughs> would you would you tell her? Like, this is the interesting thing to me. Okay. No About way. Groundhog who's who's going to believe you? She'd but this crazy. Is the, so this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And you're not going to tell her the thing that has defined the relationship. your very relationship and existence. You're going to live with that dark secret behind your relationship for the whole time? All right, well, hypothetically... I just... mean, eventually you could tell it, couldn't you? Hey, you know how I knew all those things about you? Well, it's a funny story. <laughs> the groundhog, and then millions of years, and then... I, I, don't think you need, I don't think you need to tell her. No? I mean, you, you can uh, say to someone that you meet, like, you know, with Gemma, I remember when she was single and I saw a photo of hers at your place, actually, and I was like, I just had this fucking funny feeling about, you know, I'd known her for a while, but... Never thought of it like that. Then saw this photo and I had this feeling that we were going to end up together, you know, and I didn't necessarily tell her that because it's quite, it's, it sounds a bit crazy <laughs> to say women to be together, you realise. Like if you inject any of that kind of high concept shit into any relationship, maybe after a few years you'd tell her, but definitely not within the first five, I don't reckon. It sounded too nuts. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, okay. Because so destiny is a big thing. to a, Destiny or some cosmic kind of interference is a big thing to lay on someone who's maybe not sure if they can stand the side of you. <laughs> You've got to be pretty sure they're not going anywhere really? before you bust yeah. out that we're meant to be together. Yeah. Was it your destiny that you smell so bad in the toilet? <laughs> Was that destiny as well? What did I get out of this destiny? <laughs> that you don't fucking put socks together ever and I can never find a pair of fucking socks? That's a, that's, good, that's a good question about destiny though. When people talk about their destinies, just oh. say, uh, you know, it's your destiny to, to have a career in comedy. Like, that was your destiny. And the people who are associated with you have made that happen. Yeah. Is it their destiny to be, like, your manager? Or is yeah. it their destiny to be the guy who started writing jokes with you? Like, stuff like that. People because... don't mention that so much as a destiny. No. I had that day where I realised I was going to facilitate someone else's yeah. career. <laughs> but it's true. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you if people people who talk about destiny have often risen to a position of power and they talk about it was my destiny to be, you know, president or whatever... But the people who are associated with you, if your destiny was to, you know, go in this direction, then by the same thinking, their destiny was to assist you, yeah. you know, or be your secretary. Yeah, it's pretty up it's yourself. It's pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is an interesting thing, though, like Ted Robinson, who's a TV producer who produced um, a, a show I used to do called The Glass House. And he's a guy who really inspired me to get into comedy. He used to produce a show called The Big Gig, which is like where I fell in love with comedy. And I do have that feeling about comedy that like, you know, and I've talked to you about this before, that I knew from a very young age in an environment where I had no exposure to comedy, you know, I came from a farming family and then generations of, like it wasn't a, you know, a funny family. Um, and so it was one of those things where I just knew it. I had this sense that that was what I wanted to do. Now, maybe that's just a normal human emotion, who fucking knows. But um, so, but then you self-mythologize. Yeah. Like, so yeah, you, yeah. you start to feel in your own story about, whereas sometimes it's just, you know, 
it's that you just worked hard, worked hard you wanted it. it and you worked hard like or whatever like yeah. it's not destiny at all like you know there's luck involved. no one's destined to be a doctor <laughs> you know you actually have to apply yourself and have a set of skills to be yeah. a doctor you, you swan, i'm you, destined you through medical school you go it has been written <laughs> First day of lectures, you turn up in a toga, just stand there with your arms raised, staring no. at the ceiling. It is my my destiny. <laughs> it is my destiny to be a doctor. It has been my dream since I was fourteen. <laughs> you know, and that's uh, it's funny when you watch those shows, like um a uh, like a talent show, like a singing show, or one of those ones, and they're always like, you know, I I should stay in because I want this so, so bad. bad. Yeah, and you're like, that's all I've ever wanted. Yeah, that's actually a not a reason that you should get to stay. <laughs> Everyone wants it, yeah. you know. Um, but but I think that's a real honesty, because the truth of it is that no one deserves it. And like singing, like is not a they don't we don't do a competition around the world where we find the eight best singers and they are by nature the eight most popular singers. Like we just choose people, you know, based on a whole range of things, and we go we like them this much and we like them this much. Mm. And but it's not fair. Like it's not like we go. We've measured Radiohead against Coldplay, yeah. and it turns out scientifically, Radio, Radiohead are scientifically better. So the re, so Coldplay should not sell ten times as many records. Yeah. Like it doesn't work like that, you know. Yeah. But they're being quite honest when they say, "I want this," because yeah. that's all you can ever have, really, is just to want something. Well, I don't. What I mean, what kid ever dreams of working in an office? You know, like. Everyone, everyone starts off thinking, "Well, I'm destined for great things," unless you know you're obviously in an abusive childhood home yeah. or you're just raised in area with no opportunity. But everyone dreams, like you know, you've got uh, those ideals. But I think what life is it's a series of um, short. It happens in stages in which you have to reassess what your dreams are and how much you were destined to do that thing that you think you're destined to do. Well, we've spoken about this before, but it's like that thing of like when you finally realize you're too old to do things. Mm. Like there are things in your life that you will not get to do like at the start of your life anything is possible yeah like i had a period of my life where you know you could you go like i didn't give up on my hopes of playing cricket for australia until i was older than anyone who was playing cricket for australia yeah and then like you know at that point even though i wasn't playing cricket and had not done for 15 years i was still like well maybe i could roll my arm over and it'd work out okay (laughs) but it's funny i was listening to uh brian cranston getting interviewed on what the fuck and he was talking about his career and because mark was asking him uh, do you feel like you know you've made it now, or you know you've had, you were on one massive hit show and you've got this other massive hit show and now you're getting movies? Like, do you feel do you feel comfortable? And Brian Cranston said, "Well, I've never been results orientated. I just knew what I liked to do, and my plan was just to do that as well as I could, and things would happen as they were meant to happen." And I thought that was such a perfect philosophy because I think a lot of, especially if you're working in showbiz, it's it's not so much about you can have all the skill and talent in the world and never get anywhere. I think a lot of it is just perseverance. How thick is your skin? Like how long can you maintain chasing that dream before you go, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And lots of people drop out for reasons that are totally valid, family or money or, or whatever. But I think having the ability to just sort of stick with it as long as you can is probably one of the most important attributes. But I also think that like, you know... And it happens at different ages for people as well. You know, like you get... I think so there's that no, thing of thinking, oh, if I'm not successful by the time I'm 25, then I should get a real job. And, and and maybe it doesn't happen like that. Maybe you're like, you know, and some people have it really early, you know, they have, and then it all goes away. And I sometimes think that would be worse. Like, I like the fact that it took me a little while because you feel like I've got to, I've already got to do it for ages. Like that in itself is a victory. I didn't have to do anything else. Yeah. 
And I think that's got to be your philosophy. And I, I think of that a lot about like moving overseas because obviously it's something that I kind of like, you know, would like to, to do some stuff overseas. But it, only if it was stuff that interests me as much as the stuff I get to do here. Because I'm very lucky that I have this like, I, I'm pretty much get to do all the stuff that I like to do. I have an interesting tally show to do and I get to do this and I get to do, you know, so like I wouldn't go over there to like, you know, host Wheel of Fortune. You know, <laughs> that would be weird to me. Like that would just be saying, I care more about being famous and rich than I care about getting to. And the whole point of getting famous or rich is so you just can only get, you, you just do the things you, you want to do. do anyway. So if you're already doing it, then if you're already doing that, which is pretty much what I do, I get to do my stand up and my show and this, and I kind of feel like I'm doing the things I want to do. Yeah. So anyway, Ted Robinson said to me, and it was a good bit of advice because like I was young when I first started doing that show and I was probably a pain in the ass like everyone is when they're young. And you know, and you knew everything. Yeah. And he said to me uh, one day, he said, remember, this is everyone's day at the office. And I thought it was such good advice because, like, there is a thing where you go, everyone here is to facilitate me being happy and my day at work being awesome, which is completely untrue. It's everybody's day at work. Yeah, yeah. Like, the person who's working the camera, that's their day at work. And if you can make it fun and interesting, they'll, like, you know, light their day at work. You should be entertaining them and the kind of everyone who's there, you know, as much as you're entertaining the people at home or anything like that. You know, mm. they're all just people trying to fucking do their job. Yeah, totally. Especially with like TV crews because you get yeah. very close with those guys. Like it does become very family-like. I know when I was doing Healers, the guys had been on that show, been on it the whole run. So almost like 13 or 14 years and they would shoot like 50 episodes a year or something crazy like that. So pretty much 48 weeks of the year with these people and you shoot long hours when you when you're doing tv you know sometimes 14 hour days so like it's in your best interest to create an environment yeah. where people are happy you know and they well, were really good at that they were you really might as well good just at, have fun yeah definitely yeah. Uh, not have fun but also um like you know there's sure you've got people in front of the camera who you know have to sell the product but you know they're only going to be as good as the people around them yeah and i've always i've always been stunned by people who are, who are dismissive of crew or condescending it's like you fucking realize that these are the guys who shoot and light you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like you want to be nice to those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's so weird that like that idea of, I mean, I guess it's it's quite a selfish thing, but I often measure my work in terms of my enjoyment, which I guess is probably not the, you know, it should be in terms of what the audience, you know, get out of it. But it's a, it's a nice career to have when you go, I enjoyed that tonight or whatever. Yeah. And, but I was in Perth, uh, oh, probably three weeks ago now, I guess, since we last recorded. And, uh, um, I got this heckle at the end of the show and it had been a cracking show. Like people who went to the show will know it because, uh, well, this incident, you know, stands out. But uh, I, um, it had been a really good show and I really felt happy with it. I'm getting to the end and there's kind of like a little, just a tiny little poignant sort of-ish thing at the end. It's got jokes in it, don't worry. But, <laughs> but like, you know, there's a moment. And this guy has heckled me. And I normally quite like a heckler, you know. I like It gives me, you know... Something to thinking do that's feet. fresh and I like thinking on my feet. And I like their challenge and it normally always goes your way. Everyone's there to see you. Yeah. So it's, like, <laughs> it's not really a fair fight. It's like gladiators. Yeah, like you're Vulcan <laughs> and they're an accountant. And, you know, so it's, it, 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 yeah, you're right to go. So this guy's heckled me though and it was the best heckle, like as in if you really wanted to hurt me, <laughs> the best heckle you could have ever got. Because if you just gone, you're fucking shit or whatever, I'd yeah. be like, Get a, be original, mate. Well, yeah, but, but also, it went just went really well. So, like, nothing you could say, like, is going to, you know, hurt me. But then he said this. He's just gone, you put on a bit of weight. Oh. <laughs> and he said it like that, as if, 
like as if he was my like nana like you know and but it like there's like that's brilliant there's like 1200 people in this room but it rang out like he said it at almost i reckon normal speaking level and yet it carried through to the stage and and i was stunned because it was genuinely like if he got you're a fat cunt or whatever i'd just be like it's a delivery whatever but just because i have put on a little weight and i was like but i'm like in my head i'm like i've Ah, oh, no one noticed. I'm wearing black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these these jeans are a little bit tighter. Vertical, but they're vertically jeans. striped. Yeah, exactly. Top. It's fine. No one's noticed. You're wearing your spanks. And he really was like that thing. I was going. It, it, the only thing he could have hurt me more is he going like, "You don't call your nana enough." <laughs> There's the tone. Really but her. did he yell that out? Like, no. so he yelled it out loud. I mean, enough. it was loud enough that people heard. So I guess it was above. He didn't. And like, he just dropped it in during the show. Was there yeah, a point? I mean, Had you pause? Right. And yeah. he just he just out of the blue. It was like one of those non sequitur. Like, yeah, clap for these people. We're wrapping up. Clap, 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 clap. Have you put on weight? Pause. I'm about to go into my poignant pin. Have you put on weight? You know what that is? That's awesome oh misdirection. Yeah. Like that's because it's so left field. It takes all the. My sister is. You can't argue with my sister. You can have all the facts in the world backing you up. You can have like her logic is completely flawed. And as you're yelling at her, telling her that she's wrong, she'll just stare at you and go, your face gets so ugly when you yell. <laughs> and you're like, but that, what, that has nothing to do with... But she's just brilliant. And it's the same kind of thing. It's so left of center. You have no comeback, you know? Oh, and there's man. also a hint of truth in it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was the thing that really hurt me. He's like, you know, it, it was one of those things where I was just like... It was he identified things that were really important to me, yeah, and like got right. You have a nagging doubt that your football team will never win a premiership while you're alive. <laughs> oh, I do have a nagging doubt about that. You're hopeful about the new Batman movie, but you like the last two so much that you think you're going to only be disappointed. <laughs> Why do you hurt me so much, audience member? How do you know my inner soul? How and so did you ever come back? Oh, yeah, I did. You are? Yeah. <laughs> I said, you, you're fat. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, it was, I, I got a little uh, what was it over got? the top. I'll be the guy. And you no, no, I can't, I can't. It was... It was uh, oh, is it really filthy? It was a whole thing. <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> you didn't call him a pedophile, did you? No. All right. No, I didn't, Charlie. I did that once. You didn't go street fighting? One audience member. <laughs> No, I got so um, angry and aggressive, like, you know, you know, hopefully comic quiet. The audience seemed to be enjoying it. But I was like, you know, I really like did it and did it. And then like put to the point where I said the, the final thing I said was, and in the future, the beautiful gift that you have given this audience is that I've had such a good time tonight. And this is one of the most beautiful gigs I've done on the tour. And the, the sadness of comedy is that that will soon fade from my mind as I do other gigs. But now, forevermore, when somebody comes up to me and says, oh, I was at the gig with the cunt, <laughs> I will know that they speak of this moment. <laughs> no, it's nice. <laughs> and I say, go home. And uh, when you write about this show on Twitter, use the hashtag, I was with the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the beautiful moment was that he just, he went, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> sorry. Is, is there any way you can win on stage if someone heckles you and you lose it? Is that, oh, I don't you, think so. You can't. I mean, win. that's I think when you see all that shit on YouTube, where like Michael Richards or someone. Yeah, it's, I mean, essentially, I think the trick of comedy. If I <laughs> listen I'm, up, listen up, young comedians. I know you've been listening to this for pearls of comedy wisdom. Well, here's one. Um, one of the only things I know about uh, comedy is that 
the audience have to sense that you are in charge. Yeah, right. Yeah, when you walk out on stage, what they're looking for is they're all there. Like, essentially, if you think about the construct of comedy, a whole group of people have gathered in a place, people who have already expressed a desire for or an enjoyment of laughter. Mm. They've gone, I desire and enjoy laughter. Let's gather together with other people who desire. Who also enjoy this phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. We will exchange money for <laughs> the comedy and we will sit in a room and enjoy the comedy. Absorb it orally. Yeah. Process it in our brains. <laughs> yeah. That's because this is the thing that we desire. We will look forward to it. We will tell people about it later. This is... So they're already there with that sort of attitude, generally. So all you've got to do is walk out on stage and go, hey, you know that thing that you're all here for? Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got that shit short. I've got that shit sorted. That's true. Because you I, know? I told you that I get uncomfortable yeah. going to see stand-up, but I don't like it. And I think part of the reason is that tightrope act. I get nervous thinking I may see someone fucking fall apart tonight. I don't want to see that. But you're right. If a comedian comes out and they're immediately in charge, yeah. then you're like, okay, I can relax because this guy isn't going to fuck up. He's not going to embarrass me or himself. The, the captain on the plane doesn't need to tell you. This is your captain speaking. We're going to go up to the west to 30,000 feet. He's not looking for feedback. He's not looking for you, Charlie Clawson, sitting in 24A to go, to the west? <laughs> <laughs> We're all dead for sure. <laughs> I don't know what your accent was. <laughs> that, that I like that. All over the shop. You were, you were, you were one of those multi-personality people like oh, yeah. in the United States of Tara. <laughs> That's why you panic so easily. <laughs> One of, one of your personalities is extremely jumpy on aircraft. But like, but he just says that to basically say, hey, I'm, I'm the captain and I've thought about how this is going to work and it's going to be fine. Sit back, watch some telly. So um, that's what he's doing. And I think as a comedian, that's you know what you're doing as well. So I, I think the minute you lose it, the minute you start going off or you you know, you know let the audience know that you're rattled by something, unless you're doing that in a comedic way. Yeah. Then Unless I, you are an angry comic, like, unless that's your shtick. Is to oh, kind like of, Lewis Black or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, who just cuts people down, yeah. you know. But I remember I once seeing a comedian, um, well, I got attacked by a comedian once. That was fucking horrible. I think, have I told you that story? I, I, no, I don't know. Um, I think I, well, Pommy Johnson. Right. We, we may look, we may have talked okay. about this before, but I went to see... Um, I've had a feeling about that about three times today. Like, right. have we talked about this before? No, we probably or just have. in real life. <laughs> We're actually starting to run out of stuff. <laughs> I went to see, it was when Michael Chamberlain was starting, his, he did Raw mm. and Pommy was the MC and I got there late and had to sit in the front row and during one of his MC bits, he must have thought that I had said something or had done something, but I was just scratching my head mm. or something because he stopped the With show. With your middle finger? No. I, Towards him? Oh, maybe that was it. I don't know. It was literally something innocuous though yeah. and he came to the edge of the stage and was like, would you, you know, what, am I boring you? And, and yeah. I had no idea and he actually literally stopped the show for about two minutes to fucking like, and it wasn't like he was making jokes. Like if he had started like riffing on what I was wearing or, you know, saying you look like a young Daryl Summers or something like that. Yeah. But he, he just literally just tore shreds off me and was, um, he said something, he, or, called me gay, <laughs> called me gay, um, said something like, if you're not going to laugh, you can fuck off. And uh, when I tried to say ha something back like, hey, I'll, you know, yeah. no trouble for yeah. me, he said, don't bring a feather duster to a gunfight. <laughs> Was he reading Christmas crackers at the time? Is I don't that, know, man. It was very, bon it, from? It was fucking weird. But, Pommy, I, I like Pommy, but I mean, was that out, out of character? It does seem a bit weird that he would do that. Yeah, he's not so. like that. He's I not, don't really know. I don't gig a lot with him, but I've always like he um, Star and Garter. It yeah. would have been 1997. Star and Garter, brilliant. <laughs> it's burnt in my memory, but yeah, but it totally fucking like. Not only was I fucking freaked out, but the audience 
was just like after that. And he was the MC for a bunch of yeah. like amateur comics too. So like when they get up on stage, they're already fucking shitting themselves. They've yeah. just seen the MC yell at someone for two <laughs> minutes straight. And like now they bring out the next fucking act. But yeah, it's just, there's nothing more uncomfortable than being in a room when a comedian has just decided to go off script and fucking get angry, you know? Um, uh, we had a really awkward moment. Uh, we were in uh, Bathurst uh, in uh, New South Wales and uh, um, we went out uh, for dinner the night before at this awesome, like, we try to, like, when we're on tour, which is probably why that guy said, um, have you put on a bit of weight? But um, when we go to all these weird country towns, like, they've always got, like, you know, they're big enough towns. A lot of our Bathurst listeners. Yeah. A weird Bathurst listeners. Oh, no, but I mean, just in general, we go to a lot of, like, really kind of, like, sometimes you go to a place that is off the beaten track to do this tour. But every town has at least one really awesome place to eat. Mm. And I think it makes the tour a little bit more fun if you just go and find the really awesome place to eat and eat there. In Bathurst, they had two. So we had this awesome dinner. And then we had, like, breakfast at this place called The Hub. And it was, oh, fucking, it was amazing. Like, it was just really awesome. But we were there um, for the 11th, 11th. That, that was the date we were there. And it was 11 o'clock. And so they are going to have the minute silence. Um, and uh, also that gives you an insight into what time I ate breakfast when I went to it. Could you please stop chomping on your eggs so we can honour fallen soldiers? <laughs> Um, anyway, so um, they've gone around and, like, and there's heaps of people there. It's a really popular place. So there's like, uh, you know, so let's say 70 people, pretty pretty packed full. Mm. Gone around, everyone said, please observe the minute silence. They turned off the, the music and everyone was silent. About 30 seconds into the minute silence, some tourists who have clearly just been walking by uh. on the street where there's no sort of other people to know that there's a silence or whatever have seen the cafe come in uh. and just... Like started at normal level oh. because they don't know. They expect when they go into a crowded cafe, it's going to be full of people talking at a certain level. So they've gone from street voice into that sort of like. So they've just come in like, anyway, we should say get a table up there. And you then oh, you man. heard like someone turning down the volume on their stereo. Their voice just gets softer and softer and softer as it adjusted to the fact <laughs> that everybody in the room was silent. But I, they still didn't click to what the silence was so they continued oh to talk but to everyone there it's essentially like we're all eavesdropping on their conversation yeah. because because they still haven't quite noticed that <laughs> everybody else anything. is it not saying really something unusual so it's re- like imagine you walk in on yeah, that it's like, creepy this is like a cult <laughs> yeah 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 like what uh, village of the dam yeah it, like i it would have but anyway this is my favorite bit about them germans Oh my so, god! So <laughs> it was, and then a Japanese couple came in, <laughs> Italian couple. <laughs> it was, uh, it was gorgeous, awkward. Okay, let's wrap this up. Um, uh, so you finished your tour. You got nothing left to plug. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, well, actually, that's not true. Um, uh, if you're in New Zealand, I know I have some people that listen to this who are in New Zealand. I'm coming over to do. Um, I think that's our third biggest territory. Some, some shows at the Classic in Auckland. Um, yeah, in like a couple of weeks. So just. Uh, yeah, but obviously that's why um, we've been trying to get together in the last month. But you've been touring like a fucking maniac, maniac. I oh, know it's been like we've been on the tally and the tour, and it's been really fucking full on. To be honest, it's like there has been points where I'm just like, "What am I fucking doing?" Like I had this gig on the Gold Coast, and like no disrespect to anyone who listens to this who's on the Gold Coast, because I'm clearly not talking about every individual in the audience. But man, like they were the dumbest audience <laughs> I have had on the whole tour, like. It was like the whole gig was on a fucking time delay. 
It's not like they didn't get the jokes. It was like they just took a little while to get the jokes. And they were the best people of the Gold Coast. Then you go out on the street. Like, I mean, the people who came to my show, bless them. It was great to have them there. And, you know. But then you go out on the street and look at the people who chose not to come and see my show, Charlie. And it's like the de-evolution of man. Like, the Gold Coast is the only place where when schoolies comes to town, the IQ goes up. <laughs> like, that is like fucking Mensa coming to town. Like, thousands of people who have finished Year 12. They must, like... Th- Don't you think the Gold Coast looks like it was, like, it's a movie set? Like, no building is older than, like, 20 years old. It's Everything's fucking brand new and shiny. And looks like it's made of plastic. Like, you could pick up things and carry them around. Even the shops look like movie set shops. Yeah. Like, even shops that you normally recognise, that you would normally comfortably go into... You're like, I'm not going into this subway. It's it's a hall of mirrors. Yeah, it's like Truman Show. Yeah. <laughs> You've just got this feeling that everything is slightly off. Um, anyway, so uh, probably won't be back to the Gold Coast section. <laughs> so if you'd like me to come to your town, hit me up on Facebook. And uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Um, we're also on Twitter at TweetFop. Yep. Um, and Will has his own uh, personal Twitter account, Will underscore Anderson, and I'm CX Clawson. I'm the the sixth most powerful social media person uh, in Australia, Charlie. Behind who? Uh, there was a big uh, thing in the paper last weekend. Yeah. I'll post it on our TOEFL page. Who's, who's one who's of um, five? You're sixth? I'm ahead of Russell Crowe. Mm. I'm ahead of Julie Gillard. Mm. Um, not, not hard. <laughs> Everyone's ahead of Julia Gillard in any kind of poll. It was nice to know that, like, I had more social media clout. Like, she's like, I'm the Prime Minister, but, yeah, I fucking take you at Twitter, bitch. <laughs> um, uh, I can't remember everybody, to be honest, but... Who are the top five? I can remember who the top one was, Who's and I can remember one? who was number five. Okay. So number five was Danny Minogue. <laughs> so, I'm not, so I'm not. Ah, that picture over yeah. Gillard's not looking so sweet now, is it? I did get pipped by Danny Minogue, so <laughs> that was a bit unfortunate. Uh, one of them, I think, was like a news, like a news source, like may, oh, maybe even a Mia Friedman or someone like that. You know, someone who does all their work because she's got a really popular website and stuff. So her, yeah, her yeah. old world is online. Yeah, and she's a good tweeter and stuff like that as well. There was like the Tika Burke, who's a news person. Um, I'm missing someone, but the number one one by a long mile, the most influential person in our entire country. Uh, let me guess. See if you can guess them. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Give me some clues. So uh, you've got to be, they measured it by taking, I don't know how exactly they did it, but by taking some measure of your presence sort of like on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook YouTube. So, you know, you, yeah, all those sort of things. And I think they'd studied the, how long you, your things get passed on or, you know, looked at and that sort of thing. But I think okay. someone who's had massive amounts of exposure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, it'd have to be an entertainer, not a politician. Yeah. Entertainer. Um, I'd say like a musician or a band. Musician, that's right. Um, have I won Idol or X Factor or something? No, not even that. Oh, that little uh, just Australia's Justin Bieber. Cody Simpson. That's the blondie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right, fuck. And he'd be miles ahead of everyone. Miles ahead. He? Like, he's got like 1.5 million fuck fucking Twitter followers and he's had 100 million YouTube views. And if you said but to me right that... now, I would give you $100 million if you could hum two bars of anything that he's ever done, you would get to keep your $100 million. I'm Cody Simpson. <laughs> I'm Cody Simpson. <laughs> I'm not on the TV show. I'm Cody Simpson. <laughs> You'd have a crack, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you think, oh, well, I might, that, I might luck it. But that's fucking amazing. Like, how yeah. big the internet is and yeah. how many people are uploading fucking videos themselves playing guitar and lightning strikes this one dude. Like, uh, there's got to be something else happening. Surely there must be like talent Destiny. scouts. 
<laughs> is it destiny? Is that Maybe. what it is? No. Nice. He, he was destined. And I was destined to be Australia's six most popular. Behind Danny Minogue. <laughs> Behind Danny Minogue. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>